On today's episode of the Bourbon Bites podcast, I'm talking about Luxro's $4 million expansion, reviewing Blood Oath Pack 7, and inviting my friend Brandon on to talk about the latest Call of Duty game, Vanguard. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Bourbon Bites podcast. I'm your host Clifton and today we have a really fun show because not only am I talking about some really cool news from Luxro, I'm inviting my first guest to the podcast later on. But before we start, I do want to say a massive thank you to everyone that reviewed the podcast over on Apple Podcasts. I think our issue has been solved where the podcast wouldn't show up. Um, If you missed last week's episode, I I saw that some people were having some trouble finding it. Um, I offered a challenge coin to anyone who reviewed the podcast, and a lot of you took me up on that offer. So I'm going to go ahead and extend that through the end of November 2021. So if you feel so inclined to leave a review of the Bourbon Bites podcast, just send me a message, uh, contact at bourbonbites.com. Um, once you've posted that review on Apple Podcasts, and I will send you a challenge coin token of my appreciation. But with that, let's go ahead and get on with today's episode because I'm really excited to get some bourbon in my glass. Today, I'll be drinking the latest release uh, from the Blood Oath line, which is from Luxro. This is Pact 7. Um, Big shout out to Luxro for sending me a sample. This actually got damaged while shipping. I only ended up with less than half of a bottle of it. Um, So not really enough to do a full review over on YouTube, but I have enough to, you know, taste it a little bit while we do this podcast. Um, Plus, it's pretty relevant with today's news. So while that opens up, let's talk about the news that I just received today um, from Luxro about their $4 million expansion, which is very exciting. If you missed the news earlier this year, uh, Luxco actually was acquired by MGP out of Indiana. Um, So there's a lot of talk about, you know, what the reasoning behind that was. I think it was mutually uh, beneficial. Luxro, of course, has a Kentucky-based distillery, or Luxco, I guess, is the parent company. They have the Kentucky-based distillery, Luxro. Um, They have good distribution across the country. And MGP is really ramping up their in-house product. So it seems like a good fit. And it makes today's news even more relevant uh, because they just announced a $4 million expansion. Um, They say that this will allow them to be able to produce whiskey for 24 hours a day and boost annual production by 75%. Um, So that's a massive, massive increase. They say it's planning to complete it in late 2022. The expansion will be more than 18,000 square feet with 10 barrel warehouses. Um, and a custom 43-foot copper still. So they'll have the ability to distill more than 50,000 barrels of whiskey annually when this expansion is complete. So I'm very excited. You guys know I am a big fan of Luxro in terms of their branding, their uh, creativity. If you haven't had a chance to tour their distillery, even now, it's amazing. I can't wait to see what it looks like after the expansion. They did mention that they will continue to uh, remain fully operational during this expansion process. So really, really cool news. I'm very excited. The funny thing is, as much as I love Lux Row, we really haven't had a chance to try any of the whiskey that they're actually making and aging on site. Um, because up until this point, they had been sourcing a lot of their whiskey from Heaven Hill. So like the Rebel line, previously Rebel Yell, um, is Heaven Hill Juice and Ezra Brooks, same thing there. So I'd be really curious, especially with the MGP uh, purchase of them, you know, maybe they switch over some of those more budget brands to uh, younger MGP, which again is totally cool with me. I'm a big fan of both. 
Um, so it's really interesting to see um, where their actual distillate and the barrels that they're aging on site, where that ends up. Are they going to put it into their, uh, you know, David Nicholson brand or even Blood Oath, um, which we're about to get into here? Or are they going to uh, make that a special release with a different name? I don't really know. A lot is up in the air, but it sounds really exciting and good for them. Honestly, I, like I said, I'm, I love their creativity. Um, you'll know what I mean. If you visit the distillery, there's a lot of art on the walls. They have an amazing, amazing reel that they play at the beginning of the tour. Um, I got goosebumps the entire time. So love what they're doing and I'm excited to see where this expansion takes them. So since we're on the topic of Luxro, I thought it would be a good time to review this Blood Oath Pact 7. Now this actually came out uh, early 2021. Um, I didn't get a bottle of it until I got this sample. I haven't seen Blood Oath just in the stores at all this year. Um, but this time, they, this is a blend of three high rye Kentucky bourbons. There's a 14-year-old in here, an 8-year-old, and another 8-year-old that's been finished in Sauterne wine casks from France. So I actually, uh, I, I don't know too much about Sauterne other than the fact that I did a stream over on YouTube a few months ago where I tasted a bunch of uh, wines that are commonly used for finishing. And the biggest takeaway from doing that was how sweet Sauterne was. And the interesting thing about that one is they do a process what they call noble rot. So they actually let the grapes sit on the vines a lot longer than usual. Um, it draws out all the water so the flavors become really concentrated. That wine is so thick, so sweet. It reminds me of almost like honeycomb. Just the mouthfeel, there's like an earthiness there, um, but there's a lot of honey on it. So I really enjoyed Sauterne on its own. I'm very, very curious to see how it impacts this whiskey because again, it is only one part of the three whiskeys that are into this release. Now we don't know where these actually are from. I assume they are still Heaven Hill. Again, they don't actually say where they're getting their distillate from. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to get into this. We do know it's high rise. So of course it isn't like uh, a Larceny or a um, Old Fitz mash bill. It's more in like the Elijah Craig territory, Evan Williams. Um, if it is Heaven Hill, again, no official information, um, but you guys know I'm a big Heaven Hill fan, so I'm very curious to try Blood Oath Pact 7. If you don't know this line, they release it every year. Um, it's always released at 98.6 proof, um, of course, with the blood temperature. I like that little cute touch there. Um, it's usually around $100 MSRP. This year, there was 51,000 bottles released. Now, so this does have a spit of a secondary market. Like I said, I have not seen this release anywhere. <laughs> so like I said, I'm really thankful they sent me a sample, even though, you know, I lost most of it to uh, shipping. I do have enough of it just to give you a little quick review of it here uh, today. So let's go ahead and get the, give that a nose. Ah, uh, it's super bright up front. It's It's got that honey that I was getting from the Sauterne cask uh, or the Sauterne wine that I had before. Um, but it's got a lot of oak too. I assume the 14 year is a pretty dominant one here. It is listed first um, and you can tell there's some well-aged uh, whiskey in this glass. Even the youngest whiskey at eight years old is still, I mean, <laughs> today's standards, that's actually pretty, pretty old when it comes to uh, craft whiskey, even though, you know, Luxro is now owned by MGP. They really were a craft um, distillery and I'm, I'm hoping they, they keep that legacy and they don't just become like every other big name distillery. I'm hoping they keep that uniqueness uh, to them. Um, but yeah, on the nose, there's a lot of honey sweetness and oak and um, just smells delicious. Let's go ahead and give it a taste. Cheers. So the palette's not too different from the, the nose. Still, this one I think they kind of swap places. The honey kind of goes more towards the finish, which is interesting. Usually honey notes I get up front, but for this one, it starts out a little bit burnt caramel on the front of the palette, um, transitions to the oak, 
and then finishes with a really, really lovely, uh, dare I say honeycomb again. There's like, it's honey, but mixed with like earthiness. And I always describe that as honeycomb. It's not just the honey itself. It's like the actual, you know, have you guys ever ate honeycomb? I know there's a place in um, Charleston where I'm from. It's actually from Savannah, the Savannah Bee Company. Um, and they sell honeycomb by the brick or by the block. And oh my gosh, it's just one of the most delightful things. I'm a bit of a honey fanatic. I don't know if many people know that about me, but when I was a kid, I used to eat those like honey sticks that I think you're supposed to put in tea or something. Um, but I would buy up all the flavors from the flea market, whether it's like wildflower or even like some of the fun ones, like, you know, like fruit punch honey that were <laughs> artificially flavored. But I've just always really found honey a delicacy. And I think, you know, if I were royalty back in the olden days, that would be my my pleasure. You know, you know keep your caviar. I'll take my honey. That's kind of my uh, guilty pleasure. So whenever a whiskey has a honey note, I always get excited about it. Um, another whiskey that has that note that's one of my favorites is E.H. Taylor, um, especially some of the single barrels in their rye. There's that honey at the front of the palate, which is why this is so interesting, because with this Blood Oath Pact 7, the honey's on the finish. So that's actually an experience I actually haven't had before. So I'm really curious to go in for a second sip. Oh man, that's that's just really nice. It it definitely does taste like it could be from Heaven Hill. It has a lot of similar um, aspects. I just reviewed the ECBP C921 um, on my last podcast. So this is, you know, 14 year, eight year old kind of averages out towards that 12 year mark, which is what the electric barrel proof is. So it's giving me some familiar notes. Of course, it is lower proof. I, I don't necessarily get as much of the finish as I guess I expected. And now I know only one of the whiskeys in here was actually finished in the Sauternes casks. It's It's got a nice uh, sweetness to it, but I wouldn't say it's a sweetness too different from like a typical Heaven Hill product. I guess maybe the honey more so, because usually with Heaven Hill, I get vanilla, caramel, you know, the typical. I mean, I always say ECBP is the quintessential bourbon if you're looking for bourbon notes. But this one, it, it does go a little lighter, a little more floral especially on the nose. Um, but yeah, $100. I, I think this is a great limited release series to you know get into if you're just looking for something special to have on the shelf. I know they actually released a trilogy collection. Um, they had a first one was packed one, two, and three, but they just earlier this year released four, five, and six um, in like a trilogy set, which is really cool. For me personally, I don't think I will be picking up another bottle of this. $100 is, you know, if you can find it for that price and you are a fan of, you know, Heaven Hill, let's just say it, or just even the the Blood Oath line. Um, plus it comes in a pretty sexy bottle too. I think it's worth picking up and trying. Maybe try it before you buy it. Um, I, don't, I don't think it necessarily drinks like a typical limited release bourbon. It just it just is very solid. I think, you know, the impact of the, the cask on the packed six from last year was a bit more, made it feel a little bit more special. But this one though, I mean, a hundred bucks, uh, I think it's like, yeah, like I said, try before you buy. I don't think I'll be buying up another bottle of this, but it was really great to try. And again, thank you so much to Luxro for sending me the sample. So on to some gaming news. On the day that this podcast is coming out, November 5th is the date the new Call of Duty Vanguard is released. And I actually don't know very much about Call of Duty other than the older games. So I invited my good friend Brandon to come onto the podcast and talk a little bit about this new release. Brandon, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 
Of course. So you guys know Brandon. He's a mod in our live streams. Um, you also see him uh, at our hangouts. He's usually playing Call of Duty during our hangouts. So I thought it was pretty appropriate. <laughs> so Brandon, are you excited about this new game or is it kind of like, yeah, there's a new Call of Duty all the time? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at right now. It's like I've been I've been playing for a long time and it's just another series. And they go keep going back and forth between futuristic and then back to World War Two. So I'm on the fence, you know. My favorite Call of Duty games are the ones that are story focused. I love the campaign. I suck at multiplayer. Um, so if a game has a good campaign mode, I get drawn into it. But I think you're the opposite, right? You, you're you all multiplayer. Yeah, I was like, I'm all multiplayer all the way. I mean, when I was younger, I used to do campaign because I used to play by myself. But ever since Xbox Live became a thing, I've gone to definitely multiplayer for sure. And yeah, I've, I've seen how good you are at it. You're so much better. So what what is the one that you've been playing uh, recently? The game I've actually been playing a lot of is actually Modern, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Oh, Modern Warfare. That was that was one of the original ones I played. Is this like a new game or is it kind of a remake of that one? They've actually done, they've already done a remake, but then this is actually a re-remake of it. So it's kind of, it's kind of almost like futuristic, but it's kind of cool. Gotcha. See, I, I think I get overwhelmed with the whole futuristic aspect of them. I love the ones that are based, you know, in World War II. Um, so I'm, I honestly have been following this just a little bit. Again, you know, Call of Duty games come out, what, like almost every year, basically? That's pretty much, yeah, like the last <laughs> couple of years. Honestly, it's like almost every single year on to the day, almost. Yeah, but this one looks really cool. So Call of Duty Vanguard is actually also based uh, in World War II, similar to the other games. Um, but other games focus more on like the main like European battles. But this one seems to kind of go all over the place. So like there's the whole Pacific aspect of it, North Africa, things like that. Or the trailer made me kind of excited, but I feel like that's kind of a thing with Call of Duty, right? The trailers always look so much better than the game. Oh, yeah, for sure. They, they do a really good job of doing that. But it does look like you could actually pick between like there's like four different players um, that are playable for the campaign mode. And I know they added a lot of new things for multiplayer. So that's kind of what I'm kind of wanted to get your thoughts on. So have you have you seen like any of the updates that are coming to multiplayer for that one? Yeah, I'm actually looking to see because it actually looks like they are going to have the Warzone update, which I'm kind of interested to see how that's going to work out. So tell me about Warzone. I think that's kind of like after I kind of stopped playing it. Is Warzone just like their universe for multiplayer? Yeah, it's basically well, it's basically its own games. You've actually got multiplayer with all the regular all the regular matches and games that they have, but then Warzone is its own separate thing. It is still multiplayer, but it's basically one giant map, and it's up to 140 players. Wow! And you basically just battle it out to see you know last man standing, so to speak. You can either do singles or teams. That's awesome. So, do you think this game has its own like individual multiplayer as well, in addition to that? Yeah, most definitely it will. Okay, because I'm seeing that there's like there's 20 different multiplayer maps that are in this uh, new game, um, and the match types seem pretty similar. There's a new one called Champion Hill. Have you heard anything about that? No, I was actually looking that up myself to see what some of these new games are, the new game types. So it'll be interesting to see how they actually play out. Yeah, that one seems to me from what I I mean, again, it's I'm just basing this on the trailer and like the press release, but it seems to be kind of like a a survival kind of tournament thing. So like there's multiple arenas, like so multiple battles, like you'll move on to the next stage. Um, It sounds pretty cool. It kind of sounds like kind of almost battle royale style. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me, too, when I was reading about it as well. Um, and of course, they brought back zombies. I mean, I think that's all that's like a Call of Duty staple at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, but they've made it like real complicated now with all the new stuff they have in it, all the Easter eggs and everything. 
they released a new trailer um, just recently in October of the zombie mode for this game. And a lot of people, I was reading through the comments, people are really excited about this one in particular because they introduced like an element of like lore or like some kind of like, uh, you know, mystery behind it. It's not just, you know, zombies fighting. There's like a bunch of different weapons that have different abilities. Um, it looks pretty cool. I mean, do you do you normally play zombie mode? I, I haven't played zombie mode in a few Call of Duties, honestly, because like you said, like they actually change it to where zombies almost like you said it's almost like a campaign mm-hmm. along with the game it's not like the older ones where it's literally just you know last see how long you can last and kill as many zombies as you can <laughs> now there's actually a storyline there's actually objectives that you actually move along in zombies that's really cool so and i saw so, so they've been doing cross-platform play for a while now this isn't the first game that's had that right this is only this is only gonna be the second game because modern warfare was the first one that was actually cross-platform and that was one of the reasons why I really wanted to get that one specifically is because a lot of my friends are either PlayStation or PC. Do you feel like there's sort of a disadvantage um, when you're playing against people on PC? Oh, 100%. <laughs> I, I would think so too, because see, I I do, I play on PC, but I use a controller because, you know, with one arm, you can't really do mouse <laughs> and keyboard. Um, but yeah, I just know PC gamers, like they are, they are like, you know, sharpshooters with their mouse. They can like, <laughs> they can lock onto you real quick. Oh yeah, most definitely. Honestly, I haven't bought a game in a while, and this one just kind of, it, it checks all the boxes for me. So I will probably pick this up, maybe not on release day, uh, maybe when it goes on sale or something like that. But I'm excited about it, and like you said, you're kind of still on the fence about it. But, but what if I buy it? If I buy it, will you get it? Oh, I probably, I probably will then, or at least because I'm going to wait and see how how the actual game, real gameplay is going to be. Because obviously all the videos I was watching, they were all betas. Right. So I'm curious to see what the final product is going to look like and how everyone enjoys the gameplay or doesn't enjoy the gameplay. Yeah. So if you guys are listening to this after the game's out, which obviously you are, because this is coming out on release day, <laughs> uh, let us know on Discord uh, what you think of it. We have a, a, a arcade room on there that's all about video games. So if you have any comments on this game, whether you like it, you hate it, let us know. We're happy to uh, chime in. And I'm sure Brandon would appreciate hearing what you guys think of it. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You guys definitely, definitely let me know. And then also put your gamer tags in there if you guys want to play. Absolutely. So, uh, Brandon, before I let you go, what have you been uh, drinking lately? I'm kind of stealing a line from Perry's book, but have you drank anything uh, new or exciting lately? Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. Actually, I went to a local distillery down in Oceanside this past weekend, and I got to try pretty much everything they make. They have all different kinds of spirits down there, which is kind of cool. Oh, wow. I think, yeah, you were mentioning that a little bit on our hangout the other night. What, what's the distillery called? So the distillery is called Oceanside Distillers. Okay. Yeah, I haven't heard of it. And, and I looked it up like because I was like looking it up when you were mentioned because I'd never heard of it. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So do they have like a tasting room or is it kind of like you kind of just have to message them and know, know what's up? Yeah. So pretty much you have to pretty much message them because it's basically two guys that do this for fun as a side gig kind of thing. They literally started in 2018 and they just distill their own stuff. So actually, when you look at the website, it literally is just a warehouse because when they first opened up, you were not allowed to have a tasting room in the in the facility that they're in oh gotcha so and now they've kind of basically just added it's kind of just like the front room of the warehouse that they're in they, they have a, they do their tastings or whatever it's a very very small production op, uh, setup they got going on oh nice so what are you drinking now what, what was your favorite from them so my favorite is actually so there's actually it's funny so they have two different guys in there and they both go two different ways of distilling so one gentleman actually does rye bourbon vodka and i want to say gin mm-hmm the other gentleman, the one that I liked, he actually likes to experiment a lot. So he uses 5, 10, 15, and 53-gallon barrels for his aging process, along with different types of yeast strains and grains and, you know, corn, all that kind of stuff that he likes to kind of experiment with. 
Oh, very cool. So, so he does a little bit of the experimental blending, like maybe like single malts and things like that. So they have, they have a single malt that's American. Then they also have a single malt that's peated. They have a rice whiskey, which was amazing, by the way. Rice whiskey. I've never, I, I have no idea what that would be like. <laughs> so if you have a sweet tooth like I do, it was almost like super sweet on the palate and the nose, but it was super good. But I was going to buy a bottle, but unfortunately he like the barrel that he actually did it in, he actually watered down a 90 proof for a customer. Oh, okay. So they were buying the barrel. Yeah. But the little bottle that he had me drink it out was 118 proof. I think he watered down to 90. I'm like, yeah, it loses its luster when you water down that much. For sure. Well, that's really cool. I need to uh, reach out to them. I'd love to have them on the show or next time I'm down that way, maybe we can go taste a few barrels. <laughs> oh, most definitely. It's going to be a good time. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for being the first guest on my podcast. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I hope it wasn't too bad for you, but... <laughs> no, no, you were great. And I do want to do more of this. I want to have more people from the Patreon community, from the Discord community come on. So if you are listening to this and you're part of our community, or if you're not yet part of our community, uh, you can join us at bourbonbites.com. Uh, you're welcome to come on the podcast if you have a topic idea or a game that you're excited about or a whiskey, like Brandon just said, a local distillery that you're excited about. Please let me know. I'd love to have you on. You can also call in at 818-660-5782. Leave me a voicemail. I'm happy to feature it on the show. Uh, so Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, dude. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be your first guest and hopefully the first time of many. Thank you all so much for listening to the Bourbon Bites podcast. Uh, if you have any feedback, make sure to join our Discord server, bourbonbites.com. You can see a link to it there. You can also call in with your feedback or questions or anything like that. So leave me a voicemail at 818-660-5782. Um, I'd love to do a segment on that every week. Um, if those start coming in, I haven't got one yet. So if you want to be the first uh, caller to the Bourbon Bites podcast, go ahead and give me a ring, <laughs> but make sure you're following me on all of your favorite uh, podcast platforms. And of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, this week we had on a representative from Impex Beverages doing Japanese whiskey. Um, so make sure to go watch the replay of that stream. Next week we have Penelope Bourbon on. We're having their founder come on and taste us through their new line of uh, toasted products, which y'all know I'm very excited about. So thank y'all so much for listening. Until next time, this has been Bourbon Bites Whiskey Reviews with the Gaming Twist. I'm Clifton. Cheers, and I'll talk to you next podcast.